Thank you for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. Today's recording is for January 9th, 2024. I'll be reading the following articles. PFLAG National Awards for Collins Branch by Anna Lee. Madrid Partially Revokes LGBTQ Plus Rights Laws by Claire Song and Meow Wolf's Extraordinary January Events by Rasai Trammell. PFLAG Fort Collins honored at National PFLAG Convention for advocating for local LGBTQ plus folks and families. In 2023, PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, the The nation's oldest and largest organization supporting members, allies, friends, and family of the LGBTQ plus community celebrated their 50th anniversary. During the convention, the Fort Collins P flag was awarded for their work within their local LGBTQ plus community. Upon receiving the award, President of P flag Fort Collins, Reggie Johnson, says, We are in this fight to create a caring, just, and affirming world, and I'm hoping that I'm working myself out of a job so that in the next 50 years, our kids will just be kids. The chapter's theme for 2023, Getting Off the Curb, expanded PFLAG's reach, paid tribute to Jean Manford, PFLAG's founder, and her efforts to create lasting change through advocacy, education, and support. Out of the 42 chapters nominated, PFLAG for Collins was one of four to receive the award. The award ceremony can be viewed on YouTube starting around 625 into the video. As national misinformation continues to grow around trans and LGBTQ plus issues, PFLAG Fort Collins continues to provide a safe space that fosters love and acceptance. The Fort Collins chapter invites family members and members of the LGBTQ plus community as well as allies to join them every second Monday of the month. More information can be found at their website. The Fort Collins branch spent the last year hosting picnics, clothing swaps, and other family-friendly events. The organization has provided support groups for families with non-binary and trans loved ones. Additionally, they have partnered with the Pooter School District and other community partners to support students' mental health. As 2024 begins, PFLAG aims to further to prioritize offering support to trans youth. The Fort Collins chapter hosted a proclamation and celebration for Transgender Acceptance Month back in November and have partnered with Transforming Families, an L.A.-based family support group supporting gender exploration. Here is a retrospective of the Transforming Families events hosted in 2023. 33 support groups, including online support groups, transforming books, including The House in the Cerulean Sea, Never a Girl, Always a Boy, Mad Honey, Before We Were Trans, The 30 Names of Fine, transforming education, including How to Do Laundry When You're Depressed, We All Need a Safe Place to Pee, Our Trans Loved Ones Q&A for Parents and Allies, End of Session Legislative Update, Love No Matter What, Trans 101, and Courageous Love in Trans Healthcare. 
Transforming Faith, exploring the clobber verses, discussion of the book Transforming the Bible and the Lives of Transgender Christians, Transforming Stories, sessions where our own share their journeys with the group, Transgender Panels, where trans folk who've lived experience share what it's like for them, transforming families, social events, including the FOCO food truck rally once a month in the summer, viewing of Mama Bear's documentary, Couple of Potlucks, Lightning Mini Golf, attending Transcendent, attending Polaris Expeditionary School Open House. Moving into 2024, Fort Collins PFLAG is updating their theme to be an upstander, not a bystander, continuing towards acceptance and advocacy the Fort Collins chapter invites you to donate your time, talents, and treasure to make your local community and world a more inclusive place. If you would like to donate, volunteer, or attend any event, you can reach out to your local PFLAG chapter and find more information at the organization's national website. Madrid partially revokes LGBTQ plus rights laws. A couple weeks ago, the Regional Assembly of Madrid passed a proposal which removed several protections for LGBTQ plus people, especially trans people. The proposal was introduced by Spain's ruling faction, the Conservative People's Party, and passing with an 80 to 53 majority. Under the legislative rollbacks, all penalties are dissolved for discriminating against workers or employees on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Lawmakers also limited citizens' ability to change their name on regional documents and replace the term trans people in legal material with transsexual, a term generally considered to be demeaning. Furthermore, it is no longer a punishable offense to beat someone without causing injury on the basis of discrimination against sexual orientation or gender identity. Madrid is the first region in Spain to rescind these many protections, which were passed back in 2016 with the PP's backing. Monica Levin of the People's Party called the reform a key step in stopping social engineering in Madrid, but many other lawmakers were quick to disagree. Carla Antonelli, a trans left-wing assembly member, wore red gloves and likened the bill to Nazi anti-LGBTQ plus efforts, saying, when you press that button to vote for this infamy, you will all have blood on your hands. This is terrorism towards trans people. People, you won't be able to wash your dirty conscience because we will remind you of it every day. Spain stands at a crossroads now as far as LGBTQ plus rights goes. Madrid's removal of the trans and queer protections is a move resembling the actions of nations such as Russia and Uganda. But not all hope is lost. Fourteen regions in Spain still uphold laws regarding trans and LGBTQ plus protections. And not long ago, in 2022, the nation as a whole passed a bill allowing full gender self-determination for citizens 14 and older. A massive win for the Spanish trans community. Mal Wolf's Extraordinary January Events Mal Wolf is celebrating another turn around the sun this January with multiple out-of-this-world events that aren't to be missed. Plaid, Fjorm Forlex North American Tour, January 11, 2024, 8 p.m. Doors, open 9 p.m. Show. $25. On the cusp of their 30th year with Warp Records, now is the time to reflect on the massively important presence of Platt, a.k.a. Ed Henley and Andy Turner, an institution since the late 80s. They're monumental cornerstones for any self-respecting electronic music fan, mainly as Platt. 
They also are under aliases, including the Black Dog and Belil, not to mention their work with Bjork. Don't Tell Comedy, Friday, January 12, 2024, 7 p.m. doors, 8 p.m. show, $40 for tickets. Don't Tell Comedy is bringing some of the best comedians from around the country for a special event at the iconic Meow Wolf location in Denver. The performers are kept a secret until they step up on stage, making for a fun night full of surprises. Adult Verse Onesie Party, Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. Have you ever wanted to imbibe in an out-of-this multi-universe cocktail while playing video games in Meow Wolf's newly added space, Sips, with a Z? Tonight is your chance. They will be playing games all throughout the converged world while being cozy AF, enough said. Garza a Thievery Corporation, Friday, January 19th, 2024. Garza is a visionary musician and producer renowned for his boundary-pushing artistry. With an illustrious career spanning decades, he has made an indelible mark on the global music scene. His solo project, aptly named Garza, serves as a captivating exploration of his artistic depths. Fiops. David Phipps of STS9 Therapy Sessions. Additionally, Meow Wolf's Cocktail Lounge Sips is now open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays for 21-plus intergalactic traveling, looking for some fun libations. For more information, that can be found on the Meow Wolf's official website. Florida and Tennessee introduce laws to ban pride flags. Republican lawmakers in both Florida and Tennessee have introduced bills which, if passed, would ban the display of LGBTQ plus pride flags outside of government buildings or schools. In Florida, Representative David Borrero has introduced HB 901, which would prohibit local governments or affiliated organizations from flying any flag or banner representing a social or political position, including pride flags. The bill claims that the government must remain neutral in certain circumstances, those circumstances including matters of sexuality or gender identities. It would also require the United States flag to be the most prominent among all flags displayed near a given property. In Tennessee, Representative Gino Bulso proposed a similar measure in HB 1605, which would make it illegal for schools to display any flag other than the U.S. and Tennessee state flags. According to the text of both bills, these measures are intended to prevent political bias or certain political symbols from influencing the state's governments or youth. Interestingly, both Florida and Tennessee still celebrate Confederate speech and symbolism, which is undoubtedly political. Both bills would likely target many other symbols, including potentially iconography, such as Black Lives Matter flag. However, when asked what constitutes a political flag, Representative Bolso did not respond, choosing instead to ramble about sexual morality and dangerous transgender ideology. Displaying pride flags is widely considered a form of free speech, as the ACLU discussed in an open letter in February 2023. It could be argued that policies banning pride flags from schools and government buildings infringes upon the rights of teachers, government workers, and many others who use these facilities. Yet, over the past few years, we've seen multiple states attempt to bury such displays wherever possible. Previous President Donald Trump even ordered U.S. embassies not to fly the rainbow flag during Pride Month, a move which President Joe Biden subsequently reversed.
Healing Roots Acupuncture is here to support the trans community. Christina Michaels wears many hats. She is a transgender artist, a small business owner, a licensed medical professional. She owns and operates Healing Roots Acupuncture, a queer and transgender inclusive acupuncture clinic, as well as queer dance project. Her inclusive dance studio grown from her years as a professional ballerina. OFM had the opportunity to sit down with Michaels and chat with her about her complimentary medicine, trans health, and her experiencing running a small business. So you've been working in acupuncture for, what, 25 years? I've been working in complementary medicine for 25 years. I've been working in acupuncture for just two years before going to grad school, where I started to study Chinese medicine in 2000. Then I went and got my graduate degree and medical license as an acupuncturist. So I have been practicing in Colorado since 2016, so far, like eight years. I've been practicing with needles. Before that, it was my fingers. I know that your clinic focuses on a lot of queer and transgender health. So how has that affected your business? I initially tried to focus my care around transgender care because right out of the graduate school, I was living in Boulder, where I had access to a lot of trans men or trans mask individuals who were going through top surgery. That was really eye-opening because, of course, with the field of medicine I was in before as a massage therapist, I was just catching everything that was falling through the cracks. Like a physical therapist couldn't figure out something out, or they would send someone with a frozen shoulder, and I could take care of it in no time. Then, when I saw this whole other avenue and path open to help the trans community, I sort of made it my effort because, you know, we don't have a lot out there for us. I didn't realize how much of a struggle it was going to be as a small business owner. I've been doing small businesses for 25 years, but the last eight have been really eye-opening. As a queer woman and as a trans woman with a deeper voice, I get a lot of eye rolls from people who didn't believe in what I do or who I am and also struggled with some discomfort and knee pain. I have a torn meniscus in my knee, so I had to change my pace. And you know, I've always been meditating. I started meditating at the age of eight, and I was introduced to yoga at the age of nine. My roots, like Healing Roots, my business name, I'm actually rooted in healing meditation and grounding, so I've made this switch to create a more inclusive healing space since it's something I've already been doing for decades on my own. Now I am realizing that I really need to focus on how I can feel and the place that we can heal. You own a dance studio too, right? I opened Queer Dance Project something like three, four years ago in the middle of the pandemic. It was a virtual space at first, and then I ended up creating a physical dance studio. So I would teach classical ballet because that was my background. I had found it was easy to hide my gender in the classic ballet world. I was a professional dancer for 12 years from the age of 18 to 30 and had three surgeries on my feet to continue dancing, and I traveled all over the world. What would you say is the connection between queerness and dance, or even queerness and complementary medicine? Well, for that, we should talk about queerness and healing, too. I mean, most of us don't really have a place where we can go to heal. And if we do, it's often an imaginary place in our own head, because we're living in an abusive relationship or unsafe housing. There are so many gaps in, for example, the way trans women could benefit from acupuncture and massage right after surgery. 
But we don't get that option. We don't have the luxury of like, hey, would you like to get some massage or acupuncture? And this is just one of those gaps that we've missed as we transition and as we work with the medical community. They just want to help us in one aspect, and that's it. I mean, we're allowed, what, 20 minutes of face-to-face time with a doctor, like it's a really hard process. Now you have to write down and script all of your questions before you get in there and make sure the answers they give you don't take all your time, and that really does happen. And so the gap led me to my first book, The Adventures of Vet vaginoplasty, a trans woman guide to healing, which was a way for me to offer whatever I had to help the community heal. And yeah, it's a niche market, but it gives trans women an individual guide to healing. Then in the medical community, I mean, I'm sort of the bastard child of medical practitioners as an acupuncturist. So I'm not necessarily in line with them as well. I think that's another disconnect in Western medicine where there's always a pill to fix it. And yeah, as a trans woman, I need my estradiol. I need this and that to make me feel right and live a healthier life. But we still need to think about the bigger picture. What is it doing to my body? How can I help myself? So I do want to write a second book eventually about there's foods that we can eat as trans folks and practices that can help us in our daily lives. So with the hormones and the prescriptions we're already taking, we can assist that with certain practices or herbs. There's also still this delegitimization of you as a trans woman by society, by the culture, and, you know, hurt people hurt people. And where do we find the time to heal that hurt in ourselves? We often don't. So we just continue to hurt other people because we're hurt. And that's why with my acupuncture and massage therapy, I mean, the line from my business is healing begins from the root. We all were damaged, you know. We didn't get to have the young girl's life or get raised that way or another. Yes, I'm going to hold a place for that. But also from that place, I have to plant a seed for beautiful growth and healing. Follow her business journey or support her at Healing Roots acupuncture.com Navigating life as a trans youth Growing up as a pastor's kid and in the Christian church, I was never really taught about what it is meant to be a queer youth. I remember when I was seven, looking into the mirror and thinking I'm a boy, but I didn't understand what that meant, so I just ignored it. Here I am, 12 years later, finally starting to live the life my seven-year-old self knew all along. Growing up in southern Maine during my teens, I wasn't around many people who were different from me. I grew up in a religious circle where the only thing talked about with was marriage is the opposite genders marry each other. No premarital sex, no moving in with each other before marriage, and you were told you had to have kids. It was ingrained in me for so long that this was the way, the only way, to go to heaven. Even the dance studio I went to was Christian-based, and you could only dance to worship music. Figuring out who I am hasn't been easy. It wasn't until 2019, when I moved to Colorado, that I learned what being queer and transgender actually meant. After being around the queer community, I realized how much I related to it. I finally got to live out my true colors. Well, almost. I believed that once I came out, everything would be rainbows and butterflies, and things would make sense, and I'd be happy right away. 
I came out in June 2022 as a non-binary and bisexual after my therapist at the time asked me my pronouns. At 17, I finally was ready to live my true self and be happy right away. That was not the case. A month after I came out, I lost two of the closest people in my life because it wasn't God's plan for me to be queer. This never really made sense to me. Why is it that people I grew up with couldn't love me for the same because I changed my pronouns and told them my sexual identity? Especially those within the church who say these horrible things to you but also say they love their neighbors. This contradiction led me into a depression spiral. I felt so alone, but yet I had people who loved me for who I was. When I fully realized who I was, I decided in March of 2023 to start transitioning. I started to use the term queer for my sexual identity. As telling people I like gay men could be confusing because on the outside I still look like a woman. As a new adult, who is a baby gay? I had a lot of people question my decision and wondered if it was too soon because my brain isn't fully developed yet. Let me tell you, it's never too soon and it's never too late to come out or start transitioning. You are the only person who knows what's best for you in regards to your own identity. Living as a transmasculine, non-binary person is today's climate is the scariest thing, but my future is full of hope. It takes a lot of bravery and strength to live as myself. I drive down the road terrified to be pulled over and receive hate from a police officer. I'm scared to travel out of the state on family vacations because of the anti-trans laws being passed left and right. To this day, I still receive hate and harassment from people I grew up telling me that being transgender isn't okay. I have family members I don't talk to because of this false narrative that being queer isn't right. It takes a toll on my mental health a majority of the time. I constantly have to fight for basic rights. I have to be sure places I would apply for a job are safe spaces and don't discriminate. I never thought I'd be having to ask places if they are transgender friendly when finding a new therapist or a doctor. I have to fight to not pay out of pocket for surgeries because if it's labeled as gender affirming to insurances, it's denied. Navigating being transgender is hard in this climate, but it's especially hard for a young adult who is still perceived as a kid in certain situations. All I want to do is live my life as authentically as possible. Removal of Rainbow Canopy Ordered by Bristol City Council the Bristol City Council ordered the removal of a family's rainbow-painted awning installed to celebrate LGBTQ plus rights and the NHS. The council cited concerns that the incongruent color palette may have an adverse impact on the character and appearance of the city's Georgian architecture and conservative areas. Concerns about the vivid canopy stealing the spotlight from the muted, albeit heteronormative, beige bricks surrounding it may well be valid. Rainbows tend to pop more than beige. That being said, preserving history is a valuable pursuit, but it is a rainbow awning so strikingly out of place that it impacts the very character of historic buildings, or is it the scrutiny on bright paint covering up a less aesthetic component of this discomfort? The rainbow awnings nod towards an established queer symbol gardened public support in April of last year. Despite having over 100 people in support and 34 in opposition, the retrospective planning application was rejected by the City Council in September. 
Council members pointed to the canopy's color scheme as deducting from historic Bristol views, stating the introduction of the colorful paintwork to the canopy on this property is not considered to be keeping in with the listed building and fails to preserve it. The Elmer family installed the canopy during a roof repair, making a last-minute call to add a pop of color to the historic neighborhood. Prior to the order of removal, Ken Elmer told BBC, Everyone loves the rainbow, and it resonated with us as a family because my other daughter is an advocate for all things queer. So she liked the reference in the LGBTQ community. The design was also selected to support the National Health Services following his wife Ilona's treatment and recovery from cancer. Amidst City Council's decision, Mr. Almer stated his hopes for compromise as it has such overwhelming support. It is important to people, and it follows the thing about heritage evolving and being part of the culture. People also loved it. Be the best you can be. Queer mental health resources. The LGBTQ plus community has historically faced increased risk for mental health concerns and substance abuse issues, which are often due to stress from stigma, harassment, and discrimination. Queer mental health services and resources could help save someone's life. January in Colorado is dark and cold, and we also know that people might be in the need for counseling services or a sense of community to combat the changes in the seasons. This month, OFM is shining the light on some local and curable clear organizations and programs that provide affirming care and access for the LGBTQ plus community. Denver Element the subsection of Mile High Behavioral Health Care, Denver Element, serves the LGBTQ plus community through a variety of wellness-related behavioral health care programs and counseling services. They also provide gender-affirming health care prep and HIV services, support groups, and resources. Envision You, a Denver-based nonprofit organization, Envision You's mission is to improve LGBTQ plus mental health. Their programs train behavioral health care providers to practice cultural affirming care, teach and help create safe affirming environments for LGBTQ plus youth, and practice having conversations with loved ones about their mental health support needs. Thank you again for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777. Thank you again for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros.